Today on Grow in Grace. Jesus is not Michael the archangel, as some cults would say. Jesus is better than an angel. And he has obtained, it says, a more excellent name. How so? There's no other name under heaven by which a man, a woman, a child might be saved. It's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sit healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your love. Maybe, like many, you have some questions about angels. What part do they play? How are we to view them? How do they compare to Jesus? We'll consider these questions and more today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We've just begun a series in the book of Hebrews, and in chapter 1, we not only learn about the angels, but also about Jesus. There's a great clarity in the scripture that will answer our questions about Jesus and angels and equip us to help others. So let's jump right in. Pastor Ed gets us started by reading this important scripture. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. Having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits, servants sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That's you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord that you speak to us from your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the moms in the fellowship gave this to me. A mom was playing the part of the tooth angel. You know, some people do tooth fairies, but they do tooth angels. You know, you put money underneath the pillow. She's got a little girl. And uh, as she was doing it, she woke the little girl up 
caught her in the act. And she's thinking, oh no, I've ruined it. How am I going to explain to her that she was in fact the tooth angel? But she was spared the problem because the little girl woke up and said, you put that money back. The tooth angel left it for me. Starts early, doesn't it? <laughs> Pastor's wife, her name is uh, Nancy LeDuc, wrote this about her daughter, Jenny. Uh, my first grade daughter, Jenny, loves to sing along with Christian music on the radio. One day, as I drove her to school, we were accompanying Michael W. Smith on his song, Angels Unaware. When we got to the line, maybe we are entertaining angels unaware, I heard her version loud and clear. Maybe we are irritating angels unaware. <laughs> Probably. Book of Hebrews, we saw last time a mystery. Uh, we don't know who wrote it. That some think it's the Apostle Paul. Um, others have different people. No one can know for sure this side of heaven because the author didn't sign it. But we can be assured that it was approved of God. That's what Timothy says, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So this is another inspired book of the 66 books in the Bible. This particular section is about angels, 273 references to angels in the Bible. But this book written to Jewish believers is not to increase the interest in angels, but to tamp it down a little bit. So this is the first century. It's about 67 or 68 AD. The temple in Jerusalem is still standing. Two years later, uh, in 70 AD, uh, Titus Vespasian would come with three legions of Roman troops, destroy the city, burn the temple all the way to the ground. But at this point, when this letter was written, it's a confusing times for Jews who have accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And this letter is written to help them turn back to the Lord because they looked at all the temple rituals that were going on and they begin to drift back towards that form of religion based on law, based on commandments. They were looking back over their shoulder at the temple saying, well, if Jesus is the fulfillment of everything, why is the temple still there and why are these sacrifices and these feast days still going on? Well, they had no idea of knowing within just a matter of two or three years it would no longer be there, but they're caught in between. And so the author is trying to help them drift back away from the Old Testament law and to put Jesus in his rightful place. So in this particular chapter, he's dealing with the angels, which Jews held in too high an esteem. This is a section of Christology, it's called Christology. This is one of the best sections in the New Testament to understand who Jesus Christ really is. And I often find Christians who have been walking with the Lord for a while who are still unsure about Jesus as God, the Son. Uh, we would hope that these few verses would help settle that for you because this writer is very clear. And there are six different scriptures here from the Old Testament embedded. 
actually seven if you count the two in verse five, Psalm 2.7, which is why I started with Psalm 2 this morning, and 2 Samuel 7.14, both in verse five. Verse six is Deuteronomy 32.43. Verse seven is Psalm 104. Verse four, verse eight is Psalm 45, verse six and seven. Verse 10 is Psalm 102, 26 and 27, and verse 13 is Psalm 110, verse 1. I just get those out so you can go back and study them if you want to. The argument here is Jesus is better, superior to angels, the first section. Three sections to this part. Jesus is better than angels, verse 4 through 7. Jesus is, in fact, God, verse 8 through 12, and angels minister, serve humanity. God sends them to us. So, let's jump in. There's way more information than we can cover in the short time we have this morning. So, uh, just fasten your seatbelts and we'll go through it rather quickly. Verse 4, having become so much better than the angels as he, capital H, God, Jesus, has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Having become, the Greek verb used here does not refer to a change of existence. Having become is a change of form. The Son has always eternally existed. We saw that last week in the first four or three verses of this chapter. The Son became better than the angels, infers that at one time he was lower than the angels. He was above all, then he became lower than the angels of his own choosing, and then he returned. That's what's being recorded here. We'll see it very clearly in the next chapter. Chapter 2, verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Grace given to Jesus? <laughs> no, no, grace given to you and to me. A free gift that we don't deserve. Salvation is unmerited, given by God to any who would ask. Then after he was made a little lower, then he was exalted again. He's so much better than. That's the argument that's going on here. Jesus, we saw last week in the first three verses, was better than the Old Testament prophets. This section says he's better than angels. Just to kind of finish that thought out, the rest of the book describes better than. Verse 3, Jesus is better than, greater than Moses. Chapter 4, Jesus is greater than Joshua, chapter 5. Jesus is better than Aaron, chapter 7. Jesus is better than the high priest, Hebrews 8. Jesus is better than the old covenant, he's the new. Hebrews 9, Jesus is a better sanctuary. Hebrews 10, Jesus is the superior sacrifice, once and for all. Hebrews 11, Jesus is better faith. Jesus, chapter 12, is better hope. And Hebrews 13, Jesus is better love. So that's the argument of the author. The Holy Spirit has led them to direct our thinking down this pathway. 
You've tuned in to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. He's highlighting from the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better. We continue now in Hebrews chapter 1 with Pastor Ed, taking us deeper into the truth about who Jesus is and how he's so much better than the angels. Jesus is so much better than angels. Well, as Gentiles, we would say, well, of course he is. What's the point of saying that? Angels are created beings. But again, the Jews were struggling with this concept because to them, as they looked at the Old Testament, all these angels were bringing word to them. In fact, they believed that on Mount Sinai, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, that the angels delivered them the Ten Commandments to Moses. That's what the rabbis taught. They still teach that today. Even though Deuteronomy 33, 2 says, and he said, the Lord came from Sinai, rose up from Seir to them. He showed forth from Mount Paran, and he came with 10,000s of saints from his right hand went the fiery law for them. From his right hand, from God's right hand, it came to us, not through angels. So in the Jewish mind, angels are extremely exalted immeasurably important. But the writer of Hebrews is saying that's a problem. That's stumbling because it makes you think that Jesus is just another angel. He says this very clearly. So much better than angels. Jesus is not Michael the archangel, as some cults would say. Jesus is better than an angel. And he has obtained, it says, a more excellent name. How so? There's no other name under heaven by which a man, a woman, a child might be saved. It's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Therefore, the angels worship him, Jesus, but we are not to worship angels. Verse 5, here's another song. For which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? We read that in Psalm 2, verse 7. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So, you are my son. Jesus' self-imposed humiliation was his choice, but he was infinitely more excellent than all the angels. That's the argument here. After the resurrection, he again took up his position in heaven. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. David is referring, remember, David was the king who wrote most of the Psalms, half of them anyway. So I want you to think as we go through this, most of this, these Old Testament scriptures are Psalms written by David 3,000 years ago. Jesus was A.D. and B.C., right at the zero year. But before that, a 1,000 years is David. Go another 1,000 years further back, you have Abraham. So those are the markers. Abraham, 2,000 B.C., 
David, 1,000 B.C., Jesus at zero, and us now, 2,000 years later. So we're reading something that's 1,000 years before Jesus appeared on earth. So David is saying that he is the Son of God. That's where this is going. God has never said to an angel, you are my son. Now, don't be confused, but the angels are called sons of God, but always in the plural. He never speaks of a single angel as the son. There is only one, the son of God, God the son. Second part of this verse is another scripture, 2 Samuel 7, 14. I will establish the throne of his kingdom, God speaking, the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father and he will be my son. There is only Jesus as the son of God. So the most important event is Jesus coming to earth and of course dying on the cross for us. But that God became man. That's what he's pointing out. God became man and walked among us. Father God is God the Father, Jesus is God the Son. That's the argument here. God and man together in one person, the God-man, as the early reformer said. So, he is God the Son. This was not another visitation of angels like to Manoah and his wife. Jesus is not like Balaam with his donkey that suddenly saw an angel standing in front of him with the flaming sword, is not like Elisha's servants at Dothan. You'll remember when the servant woke up and he woke up Elisha and he said, look, we're surrounded by the Syrian army. And Elisha rolled over and said, Lord, open his eyes to see the hosts of heaven. And suddenly the servant could see the angels of the hosts are the armies, the armies of heaven. Now, you know, Renaissance painters have not helped us with this idea. We see little fat cherub with bows and arrows. Not, not at all. Sistine Chapel is amazing, but there's angels everywhere, and they're all little fat babies. No, that's not what an angel looks like. In fact, do a little word study in the New Testament. Whenever an angel shows up, what's the first thing an angel says? Fear not. <laughs> but you're 60 foot tall, and is that a flaming sword in your hand? Fear not. God sent me. You're okay. It's all right. But this is as magnificent, intelligent, probably beautiful, powerful, these created angels are. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about God, the creator, the son, the sustainer, the judge of all the earth, of all the cosmos. Verse 6, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him, capital H. He's talking about the son. Now, the word firstborn has been abused. It does not mean the first one born in the Jewish mind, it's the most important. It's position of priority, not of birth. It's not a birth position. For example, Esau and Jacob. Esau was born first, but he is not called the firstborn. Jacob is called the firstborn because he's the one that the lineage would go through. David, King David, was not the firstborn, but he's called the firstborn. Confusing? No, no. They meant it as a position of rank and honor. Let all the angels of God worship him. So, 
How superior is the lamb? The angels worship Jesus. They fall down before him and they worship him. Listen, Revelations 5.11. This is John, the apostle, writing, who knew Jesus, walked around with him for three and a half years. Here's what he said. And behold, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, and they sang with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Who are they worshiping? Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Well, just how many is 10,000 times 10,000? We want to, you know, we're careful about decimal points and numbers, not so much the Greeks. It's actually myriads of myriads. It's 10,000 times 10,000 or 100,000, but what do you do with thousands of thousands? It's like a saying, it's like a gazillion, okay? More than you and I can count. What did they sing? They sing of Jesus' worth. All of the angels worship Jesus, he does not worship them. John Bunyan said of this first guy that wrote Pilgrim's Progress, if Jesus is not God, then God himself is promoting idol worship in heaven. No, 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 he's not. You shall have no other gods before you. Jesus is God. Wow, he's not through yet, verse seven. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? makes the angels ministers a flame. This is Psalm 104, verse 4. Angels are the servants of God. That's what the word minister means. We sometimes miss that today. A servant. They are sent from God to serve you. Amen. Somebody said, yes. Bring it on. Bring in the servants. <laughs> Jesus emptied himself and became a servant. The angels always have been. Okay. First section, Jesus is better than angels. Second section, Jesus is God. Verse 8, but to the Son, capital S, he says, your throne, O God. Whew. We could stop there and go home. That settles the argument. It's to the Son, Father God said, he calls him God. Father God calls Jesus God. Well, wait a minute. Yes, Jesus is God. God the Father calls the Son, Jesus, God and Lord. So who am I to argue with God? Father God states his Son, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. John the Apostle wrote in his Gospel, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word came and dwelt among us. Paul, we just saw over in Titus, the book we finished just before this, Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, we're dealing with the creator of the universe, God the Son. You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Grow in Grace. And we're going and growing through the book of Hebrews, one verse at a time. You can listen to this program again on our website at thepackinghouse.org. We can also send you a CD copy. For this and other Christ-centered resources, go online to thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. 
That's toll-free, 844-77-GRACE. At Grow in Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word from Genesis to Revelation so that nothing is left out. We're grateful to the Lord when we hear of men and women that are growing in grace as a result of listening. And if that's happening in your life, would you please let us know? As this study of Hebrews continues, we want to hear from you. Email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And we'd also very much appreciate your financial support. Lives are being impacted, people are growing in grace, and your gifts help to make this possible. When you give today, you're invited to request a copy of Elizabeth Elliot's book, Through Gates of Splendor. In January of 1956, five missionaries gave their lives in the jungles of Ecuador and made the headlines around the world. You'll be encouraged and blessed as you read this compelling and inspirational true story. Allow it to spark a passion in your life to get the gospel of Jesus out to those who are without Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount, so call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. Join us next time for Grow in Grace as Pastor Ed Ray returns to take us deeper into this glorious truth about who Jesus is. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love.